Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday for the Public Education Podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernell Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the Oklahoma Education Association. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, this morning we are going to start off with Amanda Ewing, who is in charge of our uh, Legislative and Political Organizing Center. It was a, a busy week for elections. Amanda, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so first of all, um, let's talk about, give us a big picture. How, how did election day go on Tuesday? When it was all said and done, uh, it was, it was good. It was good for OEA. It was good for educators, good for Oklahoma. We've, uh, passed, uh, state question 802, which means a lot more people will be insured. We had a lot of educators on the ballot who, uh, uh, continue to move forward and, uh, head toward the runoff or the general um and we've we've we did great so turnout was pretty interesting we had more more than 675,000 folks voted and a lot of those were by absentee was that surprising to you you know it wasn't honestly i mean i know that Mm -hmm. oda uh worked for months trying to encourage people to vote by absentee. I mean, Mm -hmm. we knew that, you know, the coronavirus is uh, creating a new situation and, you know, for for everything lately. And and it was going to for Election Day, too. And so not just OEA, but all sorts of uh, Mm -hmm. people across the state were really encouraging people to vote by absentee to make sure that, you know, um, if you felt like you needed to stay home and maybe couldn't go out and be among other people on Election Day, that you still cast your ballot. And, and that's really what well, the purpose of absentee balloting is, right? Is that yeah. if there's something going on uh, with health or the ability to get out, you should have that option. And we have safeguards in place to make sure that um, that everything goes smoothly with absentee balloting. And it was more than 10% of the voters actually, actually voted by mail this time, which I thought was such a high number. Um, yeah, that has to be by far a new record for Oklahoma. Absolutely. So let's talk about our our big statewide election. Um, state question 802 was something that the OEA Board of Directors uh, voted to support um, quite a while ago, um, expanding Medicaid. It was really close with that many voters. Um, the margin was only 6,488, which is nail-bitingly close. That was, oh my gosh, I was watching the results come in until the very end. Um, Alicia, let's, let, can you talk about why, why 802 is something that the OEA Board of Directors and OEA decided to get involved in? Because there have been questions about, well, well, this is Medicaid, this isn't schools. Why is it something that OEA cares about? Yeah, so uh, state question 802 expands Medicaid and, um, and, and changes the constitution, it gives a standard for health care for about 200,000 of our friends, family, and neighbors, and brings dollars back to the state of Oklahoma uh, for the program. And the board not just approved it, but unanimously approved uh, wow. being a part of State Question 802, because they see that... Um, Education is not in a bubble 
right? If we yeah. have students yeah. who don't have access to quality health care in their rural communities because their um, hospitals are closed or, you know, mm-hmm. what have you, um, or they don't have insurance so they can't go to the doctor, so they come to school sick, or they stay home for extra periods of time um, mm-hmm. and more frequently, and so making sure that our students have access to health care and have a means of, of paying for that health care and then, you know, getting the medicines that they need to be healthy um, is, is an important part of the learning process. You have to be a healthy individual in order to be completely mm-hmm. ready to learn, right? Yep. I- imagine you know, when you're feeling sick, is that a good time to, to learn a new subject matter? Absolutely (laughs) not. Right. Sometimes we can't even lift our heads up. And, and if our, if our students are coming to school sick, then other students, you know, if it's like strep or something like that, they'll be catching it. And so then it causes other students to be, um, to be sick and miss school. We know that healthy students make healthier schools. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of the other primary results. Um, Amanda, can you tell us how we had OEA candidates that were on the ballot? We did. How did that go? Uh, it went great, actually. You know, uh, start with the, you know, the bad news first, I guess, is that um, we did have two recommended candidates who uh, were unseated on Tuesday night. We saw uh, Republican Representative Lonnie Kiger. Uh, lost his race to uh, Rick West, who was the uh, state representative for that seat until 2018 when he decided not to run again. So Rick West came back and won his seat back. Uh, So we are sad to see Representative Tiger go. And then in the Oklahoma City area, we uh, supported Representative Jason Dunnington. Dunnington's been a strong supporter of OEA and public schools, and he lost his Democrat primary to Maury Turner. Uh, Maury is strongly focused on uh, criminal justice reform, and I think there's a lot of room there for OEA to forge uh, a strong relationship with her. And so, um, you know, I think we'll be okay uh, there. I think that, um, you know, there, when we're thinking about how we're going to find additional funding for public schools in the future, I think criminal justice reform and saving saving money by incarcerating fewer people in Oklahoma is really going to be a you know a, an issue we're going to have to work on because you know raising taxes in the next few years is not going to be an option. And so, so I'm actually optimistic uh, with with uh, Maury in that seat. She's still got to get past the Republican general election, but the registration in that seat is such that that won't be uh, near the heavy lift that winning that primary was. And we lost those two. Her her election is a first for Oklahoma uh, yes. for a uh, person of color and Muslim. So yes. absolutely, that's a sign of the times, right? It's true. It's true. I think um, you know. Uh, it's it's going to be great to have some more diversity at the Oklahoma State Capitol because that's something that we're we're sorely uh, we don't have enough of and and so um, I think the you know the more voices you get in the room uh, the the better the outcomes ultimately right yes it yeah. is it is time that um, that we we break some of the old stereotypes of what people think of when they think of a legislator. And I'm excited to have the diversity and the um, the different uh, viewpoints 
that are important in any debate and conversation. Yes. Absolutely. Well, and so then um, on the in the really good news in Northeast Oklahoma, Senate District Three, uh, unseated Senator Shaw, who was one of five no votes in the entire legislature against the cost of living increase for uh, retirees this year, and so you know that was a real disappointment to see Senator Shaw uh, staying with those few no votes and and he's supported vouchers in recent years and so yep. OEA went out on a limb in that race and and we decided to endorse against a sitting legislator which is not something we do very often but mm-hmm. we supported uh Republican educator Blake Cowboy Stevens uh he ran for governor a couple of years ago so I think some people you know may have already heard about him but um he's been a counselor at Locust Grove for uh for decades and um, decided to to run for the state senate seat and and won uh, one handily Tuesday night. So uh, it's really encouraging to have an edu- another educated voice in the in the state senate, especially in the Republican caucus. So as you were talking about, yeah, as you were talking about um, educators running and and talked about some of our PAC recommendations. Overall, how did our our PAC recommendations go? Uh, we, let's see, we recommended in 15 races and in, uh, 13 of those, I believe our recommended candidate won. That is, uh, that's an awesome, good record. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. There are lots of times that we have not, uh, fared quite that well on election night. So, uh, that was very encouraging. You know, we saw a lot of our Republican uh, public education supporters being challenged by uh, the far right, uh, by folks saying, you know, we don't want to spend more money um, on public education. We shouldn't be taxing people for these, you know, important core services. And mm-hmm. so um, we needed to protect our friends uh, in this election. And, and that's that's what we did. We saw uh, Representative Van Curen, Pay, Nolan, uh, lots of lots of good legislators who have strong votes for public education yeah. uh, come you know come back and and so that's great. So are we done now? Can we set back? <laughs> Can we rest? We're, are we dismissed? Oh, you know the answer to that. <laughs> We're never done. <laughs> We've got uh, runoff in in August, and then of course the general election in November. Um, and you know, the general is going to keep us really busy. We've got some good races there. We've got OEA members on the ballot again. Uh, and, and we'll be, you know, um, we'll be in touch, of course, uh, with, with OEA members and with the general public about the, the big number of, of educators and of OEA members that we need to, uh, support and make sure either come back to the Capitol or, or get elected, uh, for the first time. And we have actually two congressional, uh, candidates who are, um, PAC recommendations, uh, that's, that's absolutely right. You know, um, it was it was a, a big deal to get a public education supporter into Congress two years ago. Uh, Congresswoman Kendra Horn was elected in 2018 and is up for re-election right now. Uh, we saw a lot of Republicans vying for uh, the opportunity to challenge uh, Congresswoman Horn, and 
they we there didn't get a clear winner Tuesday night. Yes. There were 75 people on that Republican ballot. And a certain so one came in really, two. really low with, with about 10% of the vote. And I'm not so sad mm. about that. I, there, I, I also, I, not, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody, but I was, I was lolling to myself. <laughs> lolling. Hello, oh. Well, in, in that race, we will see uh, Terry Neese and, and Senator Stephanie Bice, uh fighting it out in the runoff to see who's going to ultimately uh, challenge Congresswoman Horn in November. Uh, but then we also have um, Abby Royals, who is running for U.S. Senate. Uh, she is uh, she she won her primary outright, even though there were quite a few people yeah. running in that race too. And so now she'll be uh, focusing on uh, challenging Senator Jim Inhofe in November. Well, uh, speaking of August for the primary runoffs, that's August twenty fifth. The last day to register for that, if you aren't registered to vote, but I hope that you are, um, is July 31st. So be sure to register by the end of the month um, because those those primary runoffs are going to be those are going to be tight. That's going to be serious. Yeah, that's, that's true. Some important important decisions, and and your vote if 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 you're voting one way, it is not a vote in support of public education. That's for sure. Well, thank you, Amanda, for joining us. It was an eventful week, and everybody is pretty pretty tired. That was a hard sprint, so thank you for taking the time to talk with us this morning. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to you all, especially about politics. <laughs> yes. Things we don't talk about in my family, for sure, because <laughs> happy Father's Day. <laughs> that was not a fun discussion at my house. <laughs> politics and family love it no thanks <laughs> thank you so much amanda we appreciate you thank you all right bye-bye bye. we are joined this afternoon by Rhonda harlow our northwest advocacy specialist here at oea also um, an expert in bargaining uh Rhonda, how are you I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Good. Um, so it's bargaining season in lots of school districts. Yes. Um, so for folks who maybe aren't in a bargaining local or haven't had that experience, sort of big picture, what is bargaining? What does bargaining do? So bargaining is really the exchange of good faith proposals and counter proposals between the bargaining agent and the representatives of the school board. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of it is to reach an agreement that's satisfactory to both parties. So really it's the procedure that allows us um, to participate in making some decisions mm -hmm. that regard the conditions under which um, we work. That sounds adversarial. <laughs> is it contentious? Is it, is it contentious at all? Uh, no, it really is not contentious. Um, in fact, uh, it really opens two-way communication uh, between the bargaining agent and administration, um, gives an opportunity to discuss issues and concerns, uh, gives the opportunity to make some decisions that really are beneficial to both parties. Um, so 
I, what you just mentioned, issues and concerns, um, because bargaining is not just money. No, no, it's not. Um, under the state statute, when we talk about good faith bargaining, we go in and we are able to negotiate for our hours, our wages, fringe benefits, and other conditions um, that imply that are well other working conditions, things okay. that uh, deal with our day to day work. So, can you give an example of some things that you might that you might bargain that a local might bargain with um, the school district for? Sure. So, obvious would be the salary schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of our bargaining uh, locals do pay above the state minimum salary schedule. So, that would be one of the things. They also bargain for their plan time. Mm-hmm. Um, state minimum is an average of 200 minutes a week. And so, a lot of our bargaining locals will bargain for time above that state minimum. Yeah. Um, uh, Duty free lunch. Or the the amount of time, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or the amount of time that they have for lunch. Yeah. Those are other things that they will bargain. Um, Their contract day, when does it start? When does it Mm -hmm. end? Um, Those would be some other things. Do they get compensation if they have to cover classes? If the district has a shortage of subs and a, a teacher is asked to cover a class during their plan time, is there going to be compensation for that? That'll be things that we negotiate also. So what's the what is the difference between working for a a district that has bargaining versus one that does not? I mean, the the like sure. what does that contract look like? So the districts that do not have a negotiated agreement, um, they are working at the state minimum, which is the state statute. So that's the minimum that the law provides, mm-hmm. and then board policy. So those are the things that will kind of direct um, their work. And board policy can be changed once a month Mm -hmm. at a board meeting and doesn't have necessarily input and teacher voice to Mm -hmm. that. When you're looking at a district that has a negotiated agreement, um, your your association and even just the, the association represents everyone in the bargaining process People have a voice to that. Um, The local will send out a bargaining survey Mm -hmm. and teachers have an opportunity to put down their issues and concerns. And then that is brought to the table. And if it is something that can be negotiated into the agreement or if it just needs to be communications that happen between um, the association and admin to see if we can get some things fixed for the coming school year. So I was going to ask about that. Do you have... Are there things that you work on that are not necessarily things that end up in the contract, like other sure. issues outside of that? Can you kind of explain like how that part of it goes? So if there's some other concerns or issues that are happening, um, the the local may bring that to the table and open up the conversation mm. uh, with the with the administration and Oftentimes, it's in the hopes of we're able to come together and collaboratively uh, create a plan mm-hmm. that moving forward, we can fix that issue or concern. And a lot of times, I will advise my bargaining locals to bring it as an as an issue and concern. Let's try to fix it before we bring bargaining language. Yeah. We want to give them an opportunity to know that there's a concern. Mm-hmm. Let's try to fix it. So. It could be things as the number of people that are represented on a committee. Do we have a, gro- a good cross section of the teacher population that are that's being represented on committees? What about professional development? 
Um, so one of the things that was brought that was not negotiated into a, an agreement was teachers being able to bank their professional development that was done outside of the contract day or the contract year. And they could bank up to um, 12 hours, which is the equivalent to two professional development days, mm-hmm. and exchange those for PD days during the school year. Oh, so cool. as a classroom teacher, if I did some professional development over the summer, um, I would have that approved by my administrator, and then I would be able to use that in exchange of um PD that was happening during the course of the school year. So that was something that was brought to the table, was not necessarily negotiated into the agreement, Mm -hmm. but it was something that was created. It's been um, implemented in the district and has had a lot of success. That's awesome. So when, when you sit down to negotiate a contract, Mm -hmm. who's in on that? So for the um, side of the bargaining agent, which would be the local, the local usually will have uh, an election process for the negotiations team. And so the negotiations team will be um, representative of the body. So they typically try to have um, a member on the negotiations team that's at the elementary level, Mm -hmm. at the middle school, junior high level, secondary levels, any specials. That's for our certified, our support also negotiates, and they will often try to have representatives across the different departments that they're representing. So they can bring in those perspectives and be a part of that conversation at the table. And then each um, district is a little bit different on how they decide um, who is going to be on their teams. And this is all outlined in the procedural agreement. So each local that bargains has a procedural agreement with the um, Board of Education mm-hmm. that um, that kind of outlines who's going to be on the teams and how are okay. they selected. Yeah. So, so I mean, it varies by local. Yeah. Is it, I mean, do you see HR, superintendent, who are the, who are the people that hire are people? usually, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, uh, outside? yeah. Typically, yeah, typically, um, in my experience, the HR director will often sit on the negotiations team for administration along with uh, they're really good about trying to have an elementary, secondary, you know, administrators, mm-hmm. um, any other specials that, that may be. Sometimes the CFO, the chief financial officer, mm-hmm. will sit on negotiations or they'll, they'll serve in a a, a consultation type of um, role. Some of my districts have the superintendent come to the table. Others do not. So mm-hmm. it's just dependent on what they're comfortable yeah. and with and what we've agreed upon. So for non-bargaining locals, big picture, what does it look like to become a bargaining local? How, do, how does that process work to become the bargaining agent? Because it's, a, it's an intensive process. It's an intensive process that is outlined by law. We have to follow the timeline that is in the state statutes in order to uh, go through the election process. Any local that's interested in becoming a bargaining local, I highly suggest they reach out to their OEA advocate and their OEA organizer, Mm -hmm. because those two entities are going to work closely with that local to help them through the election process. 
But if they are interested in becoming a bargaining local, um, the first thing that they're going to need to do is, um, one, reach out to their OEA uh, organizer and their advocate so we can help them through the timeline of all of that. Once we get ready to make that um, decision and, and move toward a bargaining election, they submit a letter to their uh their superintendent and to the school board stating that they will be circulating a petition uh, to gather enough signatures to request a, a bargaining election. So a petition is then circulated among everyone that falls underneath the bargaining unit, and they have to gather 35% of the eligible signatures. Oh, okay. Once they've hit that 35, yeah, once they've hit that 35% mark, they, the petition is then uh, validated uh, at the at, by a, a district judge has to validate those signatures. Once those have been validated, we're ready for an election. And then at the election stage, it is um, a simple majority. So if okay. they win the simple majority, they then have the opportunity to be the bargaining agent and. Once that is accomplished, we will start writing the procedural agreement. And then once that has been approved, we will then um, have uh, start working on the negotiated agreement. We And we've had several uh, locals go through that process recently, um, I know, yes. both certified and support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is correct. Glenpool recently won a bargaining election. Uh, Mustang Support mm-hmm. uh, recently won um, their right to be the um, bargaining agent for the support employees there, Hugo. So we've had several uh, recently go through that process. And you know, again, it's going to vary by local on how long that takes. Um, Glenpool's turnaround was fairly quick in their ability to gain uh, bargaining rights. Mm -hmm. Mustang was a little bit of a slower process, Mustang support, Mm -hmm. and it took pretty close to four years to get to the point of being able to hold a bargaining election. We do let our locals know that if we want to make sure we're going to be successful in that process, we want to make sure we're going to be able to reach that 35% mark on the petition. We want to be sure that we're going to be able to get that simple majority in the vote, Mm -hmm. because if we do not, we have to wait two years before we can do the process again. Yeah. So you want to make sure all your ducks are in a row before you start the process. Line up the ducklings, then get to work. Yeah. And that's why we really encourage reaching out to your organizer and your advocate, because we can come in and tailor the plan centered around uh, winning a bargaining election, so we can we can be fairly confident that we are are going to be successful in our first attempt. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you, Rhonda, for giving us sort of a peek behind the curtain of bargaining. Um, we appreciate your time very much. Thank You're you for being with welcome. us. You're absolutely welcome. You guys. Ha- yeah. You guys have a great rest of the day. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. So super excited that we had a big win uh, in Putnam City. Our education support professionals were uh, on the chopping block um, as the district was 
looking at privatizing uh, a faction of them and with Sodexo, going with Sodexo. And um, they reached out to us, talked, and we organized. We did um, informational picketing. Uh, People stood on the street corner and talked about it. We organized them to call board members. And the board actually voted against the district proposal to privatize. So we have a reorganized and re-energized local uh, ESPs in Putnam City. So super excited about that. It is exciting. They they were killing it out there. They did. It was great. It was. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It really was. Um, you know, every job is important. And uh, mm-hmm. privatizing public education workers... Uh, to save a couple of bucks, maybe, uh, I don't know, that just is so out of my thinking because we care about people. Yep. We care about people. Um, And speaking of caring about people, we have a fantastic racial and social justice webpage uh, up. And I want to encourage everyone to uh, go to it. Um, you know, look at it with open mind, open eyes, open heart. It has some amazing curriculum, uh, podcasts, reading lists. It's okea.org slash justice, like a forward slash justice. Um, and so I bought a couple of books off the reading list. In fact, um, I'm using one of the books that has been recommended to start an OEA member book study during a summer conference. That's cool. Yeah. That's so, gonna be awesome. so which book is that? It is the Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? So, um, I'm excited to, uh, to share thinking with people, to grow in grace with people over subjects yeah. that that we may think are difficult and shouldn't be talked about. But the one thing that we can do to. wrong is not talk about it. And yes. and so uh, we have to grow together. We're we're a group of mm-hmm. educators. If we're not educating mm-hmm. ourselves on important issues uh, in our communities and for our students then um then we're doing a disservice i think so uh so yes. we're going to we're going to kick that book study off at the summer conference the week of July 13th through 17th i think that session is on monday evening at 7 um and the registration for the summer conference is coming out today so excited about that lineup yes. i was channeling awesome. my my inner uh oprah <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you, you get a book you, you get a book <laughs> <laughs> so um we've got everything in that conference from the caucus meetings so each of our i mean we've had caucuses on the podcast before um uh-huh. each of those uh groups have a time slot that they've chosen uh that you can go to we've got racial justice we've got stuff for early career teachers we've got stuff for emerging leaders we've got stuff for uh career teachers career uh ESPs um we've got something for everyone i'm super excited about a couple of them uh of the breakout sessions one session and i just worked with them last night uh, a an author from California who's written a couple of uh, books 
with science. Um, they're really geared pre-K through six, I think. Um, and it's mm-hmm. about how science is, you know, follow your dream and, and no matter, um, you know, because some people think science is a boy thing instead of a girl thing. And so it's really right, about right. A, a little girl who's finding her way and her love of science. And so he is going to come on and do an author visit. And in conjunction with oh, him cool. and that book, um, actually, he just had a second book published this week. So it's a series of books on oh, science. Wow. We're having Barbie Jackson, who is a um, an elementary school teacher from Sand Springs. She is doing a STEM uh, project alongside that book. So um, it is going to oh, be a, awesome. a really cool um, breakout session. Uh, so uh, that's just one of them. I mean, I could go on and on. I'm super excited about, there's one that is, uh, distance learning from virtual to, uh, packets and how to make the most. If we have to Mm -hmm. go back to a a distance learning environment, how to, if your students don't have access to technology, um, make packets that are beneficial and, um, Gina Nelson and Haley couch are going to do that i mean just i seriously i am going on and on not not that i could i am going on and on uh it's happening it's It's happening happening right right now now. (laughs) i can't stop myself um so legislative stuff uh stuff to be uh, a leader in the association um you name it we have it and the cool thing about it is when you register you can register to uh, be on in person, or you can register to get a link of the recorded uh, professional development. So, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, super so excited about go, that possibility. Can, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because there are other things that are going on that same week. Uh, okay, engage yeah. is going yeah, yeah. on. So you know, yeah. if, you just have to register one way or another. You register, and yeah. you'll have the opportunity to uh, participate. All the PD, all the PD, all the time. Anything that you would want to know about. Um, and then next week, we are going to take a break from the podcast. We'll be back the week after that. But um. People need downtime. People need vacations and self-care time. And so uh, our podcast is going to take the week next week to do just that. Yes. Uh, We love you. We'll miss you. But we will be back after that. Yes. Um, Well, thank you for joining us today on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. If you have another platform you'd like to see Fried Okra on, or if you have any other questions, reach out to friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.